Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. I'm so glad that you're watching today's message. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. I believe it'll encourage you, it'll strengthen you, and empower you to make Jesus famous in your everyday life. Enjoy today's message, and I'll see you at the end of the broadcast. Praise God. Go with me to Daniel chapter 5. We'll do Daniel chapter 5 tonight. And if you've missed any of this series that we're in right now, you'll be able to find it on our Faith Christian Center podcast, which is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You'll also be able to find it on our Faith Plus app on demand. You'll also see it on our YouTube channel. We are going through our verse-by-verse study of the book of Daniel. It is the perfect series for us to study right now in the time we're in in our lives, as well as this time of year. It's a perfect book to study. So I hope you're enjoying it so far. Last week, I was able to do part of it live, sharing with so many of you and hearing your feedback about what the Lord's been talking to your heart through this book. I'm just so glad that we can share go share it and go through it together. So Daniel chapter five, as we get to there, I'm not gonna do too much review tonight, but I want to read our takeaways and applications, and you'll find our takeaways and application in our notes. The notes are available on the Faith Plus app as well as the YouVersion Bible app. Once again, my notes are available on our Faith Plus app as well as our YouVersion Bible app. Our first takeaway we've seen in the series is number one, the laws of seed time and harvest still affect nations today. Sin produces death and judgment even on a national scale. Number two, you have to purpose in your heart to live the way God tells you to live. Number three, you should daily confess and claim favor over your life. It is available for you. Number four, daily confessing that you have the mind of Christ, praying the Ephesians 1 prayer over yourself, and acknowledging how God has anointed you will help you increase the gifting God has given you. And we said that because God can, can and will give you supernatural understanding and skill that cause you to rise to the top of your profession. Because of the gift of God, Daniel and his friends were 10 times better. Number five, God knows how to deal with world leaders. Come on, say it aloud, put it in the chat. Say, God knows how to deal with with world leaders. You know, one of the things, if you listen to replay later right now, this is the day after an election, and there are some elections still being decided, some elections are going to run off, but this is a good word for now, as well as any time, is that God knows how to deal with world leaders. He knows how to deal with political officials. He doesn't just deal with one side of the aisle, he knows how to deal with them all. So say it out loud and put it in the chat with me. Say, God knows how to deal with world leaders. Bonus time, we're gonna say it again. Say, God knows how to deal with world leaders. Guess what? God knows how to deal with them, even if you don't. God knows how to deal with world leaders. Number six, it is our holy responsibility to pray for world leaders and for all those in authority. I'll say that again. It is our holy responsibility to pray for world leaders and all those in authority. As we'll see later in our study, Daniel influenced an empire through his prayer life. We must be a praying people we cannot afford to be prayerless. We must be a praying people, whether you like who run yesterday or didn't or who will run, win in a couple of weeks, whether you like them or not, it is your job to pray for them because you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Number seven, we said God desires to place his people in positions of authority and influence. Number eight, God can and will deliver his people. Let's say it, that one out loud and put it in the chat. Say God can and will deliver his people. One more time, say God can and will deliver his people. God can and he will deliver his people. We see this echoed through the book of Daniel and it's important. Number nine, God has a host of angels at his command and they are involved in human affairs. 
God has a host of angels at his command, and they are involved in human affairs. We also covered keys to Daniel's influence. We said he purposed in his heart to serve the Lord fully. We saw that God gave him favor. We saw that Daniel was a man of excellence. We saw that Daniel was a man of prayer. We also saw that Daniel had praying friends of faith. If God can use Daniel to make a difference in Babylon, God can use you to make a difference where you live. You must make a stand like Daniel, and you must believe for the supernatural assistance of God. This is the supernatural lifestyle of faith. And so for review's sake, we said Daniel was born in the latter years of King Josiah. Daniel's name means my judgment is God or God is my judge. The book of Daniel is written in two languages. It is written in Hebrew and Aramaic. Daniel 1 through 6 contains the stories of Daniel and his friends in Babylon. Daniel 7 through 12 is about the future. Daniel 1 is written in Hebrew. Daniel 2 through 7 is written in Aramaic. Daniel 8 through 12 is written in Hebrew. This design with the language and divisions of the book give you insight into understanding the book. From Daniel 1, we understand that Daniel and his friends were from the royal family. They were King David's descendants and they're part of the nobility of Judah. This passage also shares that they were young. How young were they? Approximately 15 years old. In Daniel 2, we see that God communicated with Nebuchadnezzar through his dreams, even though he was a wicked heathen king. Now let's go to Daniel chapter 5 verse 1, and I'm not doing any more review, but you can take a look at a YouTube channel or a podcast or a Faith Plus app and catch up. You'll see the notes there as well. Daniel chapter 5 verse 1. Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the a thousand. So who is Belshazzar? We go from the epic events and story of Daniel chapter 4 of Nebuchadnezzar losing his sanity, Nebuchadnezzar's sanity being restored, and the prophecy and the interpretation of the experience he had and what Daniel shared with them. We see all that in Daniel chapter 4 and Daniel chapter 5 verse 1 jumps off with Belshazzar the king. So what happened? Belshazzar is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. Belshazzar is the crown prince and ruler of the Babylonian Empire. That's important. Belshazzar is the crown prince and ruler of the Babylonian Empire. His father, Nabonidus, is still alive at this point, but is not ruling the empire. Around 20 years have passed since the events of Daniel 4. So this is not immediately after or the next day. This is about 20 years later. And so Belshazzar is the grandson of Nebuchadnezzar. His father's still alive at this point, but is traveling and living somewhere else in different places. But his son Belshazzar is the crown prince, so he is ruling in his stead. One of the things you'll see an interesting phrase in Daniel chapter 5 about third in power in the land. And that, that could be assumed because that Belshazzar's father was technically number one, even though he wasn't doing anything with that authority, power was some trip away. And Belshazzar was raiding his place, and so third position was the highest ranking he had available to decree. And so we see that Belshazzar is the crown prince and ruler of the Babylonian Empire. Twenty years have passed since the events of Daniel 4. In Daniel 5, you'll see him use the word father when talking about Nebuchadnezzar. Now this word father also means forefather, ancestor, and predecessor. So it's not saying that Belshazzar is the son of Nebuchadnezzar, but it's saying that he is his descendant and that he is the one who came after him in rule. So let's go to verse two. So while Belshazzar tasted the wine, Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. 
Then they brought the gold, the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines, drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. So... Let's notice what's happening. Let's break it down. So they begin to drink and they get drunk. And while he's drunk, he says, let's bring out the gold and silver from the temple that my father, my, my ancestor, Nebuchadnezzar, took. And so they're already drunk. They're already turning up. And as they drink again, as they're drinking from these holy vessels that were in the temple of God, instead of even praising God, they are turned up getting drunk and they began to praise false gods while they drink from the cup of God. And while they're doing this, adding insult to injury, in the same hour, the finger of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster wall because it's night, it's dark. But as the king is looking across the room where the lampstand is, he sees a hand, fingers of a hand more specifically, appear out of nowhere. And it begins to write on the wall. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote that the king's countenance changed. His thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his hips were loosened and he, his knees knocked against each other. He is scared for his life. And think about how you would react if all of a sudden that you were in this party and all of a sudden there's a hand on the wall with nothing attached to it. And it begins to write. He is afraid out of his mind. He is scared. The king cried aloud. He yelled out. He screamed to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayer. Remember, so this word Chaldeans is talking about the Chaldean wise men. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads his writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he shall be a third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. The king, Belshazzar, was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed, and his lords were astonished. So the king saw his hand, but what was written, everybody saw. So this wasn't a dream. This was a vision. A physical writing is now on the wall, but it's written in such a way that no one could read it or understand what it meant. So notice something happens. And it says later, when he interpreted, a hand came from God and wrote on that wall. But what was written was in a way that no one could understand it, read it, or interpret it. Daniel chapter 5, verse 10. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. So the queen wasn't at the party. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. The queen here is not Belshazzar's wife. Because remember, it says his wives and his concubines were already at the feast. This queen is the queen mother. So the queen here is not the queen, the wife of Belshazzar. This is the queen mother. She is likely either the daughter or daughter-in-law of Nebuchadnezzar. So the queen referred to here is either the daughter or daughter-in-law of Nebuchadnezzar. So let's go into verse 11. The queen says, There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, referring to Nebuchadnezzar, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father, the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. And as much as an excellent spirit, remember he was a man of excellence, knowledge, 
understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. So the queen remembers everything that Daniel did during the time of Nebuchadnezzar. She knows everything that happened. She understands everything. But for whatever reason, Belshazzar was not making use of this gift that was in the kingdom of Babylon. He didn't know about him. It took the queen mother to come out and say, hey, there was a man during the reign of Nebuchadnezzar. And notice what happens next. Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, who my father, the king, brought from Judah? So by this point, Daniel's in his late 70s, early 80s. So he's not that teenager that came from Babylon anymore. He's not the 18-year-old in Daniel chapter 2. He's not the person who's older in Daniel chapter 4, who's probably by that point in his 50s or 60s advising Nebuchadnezzar. He is now older in his late 70s and in his 80s. And he's, the king said to him, I've heard of you, that the spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me, that they should read this writing and make known to me his interpretation, but they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I've heard of you, that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now if you can read the writing and make known to me his interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered and said before the king, let your gifts before yourself and give your rewards to another. Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O king, the most high God gave Nebuchadnezzar your father a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. Remember, it's emphasized that God even told this to Nebuchadnezzar. And we see this in the first part of this book that God gave Nebuchadnezzar the kingdom. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, he was deposed from his kingly throne and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men. His heart was made like the beasts and his dwelling was like the wild donkeys. They fed him with the grass like oxen and his body was wet with the dew of heaven. Till he knew that the most high God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this. So what is the prophet telling this king? Say, so you knew the story. You knew what happened. You understand this. This wasn't hidden from you. Because remember, this is just 20 years ago. Belshazzar knows exactly what happened. And you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords and your wives and your concubines have drunk wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone. Remember, Babylon is a polytheistic society, which did do not see or hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written, and this is the inscription that was written. Mene, mene, teko, you farsa. Remember, they couldn't see it, so it was written in some type of way 
that only Daniel was able to understand and interpret. So maybe it was some type of word puzzle on the wall or written some type of acrostic form. It doesn't tell us how it was written, but Daniel's the only one who's able to, to interpret what was there and then give its meaning. This word mini or mene, which means to number. So notice it's written twice on the wall, number, number, or to number, to number. Teko means to weigh. Once again, teko means to weigh. Remember, you find all these in my notes on the YouVersion Bible app and the Faith Plus app. Eupharsin means to divide, which is seen in a moment. Perez and Eupharsin are the same word. So you see written on the wall, number, number, weigh, divide. To number, to number, to weigh, to divide. Verse 26, this is the interpretation of each word. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. So he wrote that, so he said it twice. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Teko, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, are you farson? Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So we said, God has taken the kingdom that you oversee and given it to the Medes and the Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be third ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain and Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. So now we're introduced to a new empire and a new figure. And so let's break this down and understand what just happened. Because what it says in a couple of verses I will break this down so you understand how Belshazzar was taken out and a new kingdom, a new empire came into rulership. Now, the Medes are from Media, which is northern and western Iran. Media is northern and western Iran. So Media, the Medes, they're from northern and western Iran. The Persian Empire, also known as the Achaemenian Empire, was an ancient Iranian empire founded by Cyrus the Great. The Medes and Persians were two different Ira Iranian groups. So the Medes and Persians, they're both Iranian. They're both, they're both from similar areas in modern-day Iran. The Median Empire did not leave a recorded source of their history. They are largely known from foreign or outside sources. In Isaiah 13 and Jeremiah 51, the prophets prophesy about Babylon's downfall at the hands of the Medes. The Medes and Persian Empire is the two-armed silver part of the statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw in Daniel 2. Remember when Daniel interpreted the dream Nebuchadnezzar had? He saw that two-armed part of the statue. That part was silver, that chest and the two arms. And the chest, the two arms of silver are the Medes and Persians. It's the Medes and Persian Empire, and they're both from modern-day Iran. After their victory at the Battle of Opus, the Medes and Persians turned their attention to Babylon, one of the greatest and most fortified cities of the day. The Babylonians believed the city could not be breached, and they had years' worth of supplies to withstand any siege. Behind the walls of Babylon, they set land set aside for farming that would supplement all their supplies. So they had these walls. Remember we talked about these walls before that six chariots could go side by side on? These are thick walls that could not be breached. Not only are they protected behind these walls, they have supplies that will last for years. And they also have land set aside to farm. So even if the siege went on for years, they have enough to farm and replenish the supplies they have for siege. So they are well protected is one of the most fortified and amazing cities of its time. No one has been able to take Babylon. Remember Nebuchadnezzar 
went on a building spree. He built beautiful, wonderful buildings and walls and gates and everything. He, most of his building pro pro projects were focused in Babylon. The Babylonian walls were believed to be impenetrable. The only way into the city was through one of its many gates or through the Euphrates River. Now what's interesting about the ancient city of Babylon, the Euphrates River, that huge river that you see in modern day Iraq, that would go through the city. The city was designed so that the river Euphrates would flow through it. Think about that. That's a marvelous city design. Even by modern day standards, but in ancient times, think about that. That city was designed so that the mighty Euphrates River, that huge river, could flow through the city. So the only way into the city was through one of its many gates, which of course under siege would be locked, or through the Euphrates River. Now metal grates had been installed underwater, allowing the river to flow through the city's walls while preventing intrusion. The Medes and Persians diverted the river upstream, which allowed them to access the city through the lowered water. The army conquered the outer areas of the city while the city center was unaware of the invasion. Why were they unaware of the invasion? They were caught up in Belshazzar's drunken feast. Babylon fell to the Medes and Persians in October 539 BC. Now, according to the Cyrus Cylinder, Cyrus was able to conquer the city of Babylon without battle and was welcomed by the cities of Babylon. Now, we already read verse 31, but I want you to notice the phraseology once again concerning Darius the Mede. It says, Darius the Mede received the kingdom. Historians don't agree on the identity of Darius. However, it should be noted that he received the kingdom. And Daniel 9 verse 1, it describes that he was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, which is the realm of Babylon. Darius, much like Belshazzar, could have had a lower position in the empire. Because remember, Belshazzar was the crown, crown prince, the regent. He was technically number two in the empire. And Darius, he received the kingdom and was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. So that doesn't mean the entire Persian empire or the, even the Median part of the empire. Darius, much like Belshazzar, could have had a lower position in the empire, but had king-like authority in the city and the province of Babylon. Now, one of the things we'll even get into, maybe when we get to chapter seven, about the difference of the Medes and the Persians and how pretty much the Persian empire swallows up the Median part of the empire and becomes the leading empire and figure. So now let's go to Daniel chapter six, verse one. Daniel chapter six, verse one. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors, or the King James calls them presidents, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so the king would suffer no loss. So Darius has this plan to keep his realm, his kingdom, what he's responsible for, organized. So he creates his government system to administrate of 120, and then he puts over them three administrators or three governors or three presidents. And so some uh, believe in studying when you look at the Medes and Persians, how they govern, it was an absolute monarchy like was seen under the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, that these three presidents or governors or administrators actually had votes concerning the rules that were made in this region and in this kingdom. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and the satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to set him over the whole realm. So now there wouldn't be 
three administrators or governors or presidents and 120 over, it would be whatever Daniel wanted. That means everybody in the empire would report to him. And that area that he was responded over that area, whether it was just the city of Babylon a little bit more, that whole area of the empire that Darius was over, Daniel would have been over it. So what was the result of this? So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom, but they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Daniel had an excellent spirit, but he was also faithful. One of the takeaways tonight is you have to be excellent, but you also have to be faithful. And by this point, Daniel is in his 70s, maybe his early 80s, and he is still faithful. We see how he was faithful in his teenage years, but he never stopped being faithful. The faithful will flourish. Come on, say that out loud and put it in the chat. Say the faithful will flourish. One more time, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say the faithful will flourish. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the ministers, satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any God or man for 30 days except you are king shall be cast into den of lions. Now, Paul's right here, notice they lie, because they said all the governors, that means all the presidents and administrators. Of course, Daniel is not one of them. Remember, this setting is up to trap Daniel. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which does not alter. So one of the things that was different under the Babylonian Empire, under Nebuchadnezzar, he could say what he wanted, do what he wanted, whenever he wanted, and that was the law. But under the laws of the Medes and Persians, how they ran the empire, once something was law, once something, that was, once something was decreed or something that was made law, it could not change. It could not be altered, even by the king who made the decree himself. And so you see a little bit difference of, from the golden empire to this silver empire, as we see in Daniel chapter 2. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the decree, signed the written decree. And notice what happened. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with the windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before God, as was his custom since the early days. Why? He was faithful. He didn't allow the persecution, deception, and trickery of the enemy to change him. He didn't allow what the enemy was trying to do to make him back away from his faith or back away from his times of prayer. And as we'll see throughout the latter parts of this book, he changed an empire, influenced an empire, ruled in an empire by his prayer life. And he did not let what these men tried to do, this trap they put for him, keep him from being faithful in prayer. And notice, he prayed and gave thanks before God. He wasn't full of worry or fear or overly bothered or concerned. He prayed and thanked God like it was any other day. And they went before the king. And notice he was also, these men, let's back up verse 11 for a second. 
Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any God or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true according to the law of the Medes and Persons, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, who is one of the captives from Judah, does not show due regard for you, O king, or from the decrees that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. And the king, when he heard these words, was greatly displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored to the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men approached the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persons, and that no decree or statute with the king established may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, said to, saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. So the king tried to get Daniel freed from this, but because of the way the empire was wired, he couldn't set him free. But notice what this heathen, unbelieving king said to Daniel. Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. How did Darius have any faith in Daniel's God? And notice, Darius and Daniel have not known each other for long. But what he saw in Daniel's life over a period of who knows, maybe weeks, months, it hadn't been long. What he saw in Daniel's life was enough to let him know that Daniel's God was alive and was able to deliver him. What is your life saying to the non-believers around you? See, he saw this because of Daniel's excellence because of Daniel's faithfulness, because of how he kept proving himself and rising to the top no matter what. When Darius looked at Daniel, he knew that his God was alive and could deliver him. Your life through your actions, your normal everyday activities, how you work, how you handle yourself, how you conduct your business, how you conduct your relationships should speak that your God is alive and that he is able. So that's a question for you to ask yourself today. What is your life? telling non-believers about God. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring, with the sickness of his lords, so that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. He didn't eat anything, and no musicians were brought before him. So he didn't listen to music, he didn't have any entertainment before him. Nobody could make the king feel better about what just happened. Also, his sleep went from him, so he could not sleep. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste. He hurried to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Remember, not just one lion, lions, plural. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury, whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Or other translation said he trusted in his God. So what happened? Daniel, living before God, faithful, excellent, 
maintaining his prayer life, undeterred by what was going on in the world, undeterred by negative policies, undeterred by wicked and evil men scheming against him, kept his prayer life, kept giving thanks before God, kept offering his supplications. They tried to trap him. They tried to ensnare him. They threw him in the lion's den. But as he hit that lion's den, God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lion. Daniel spent all night and early morning in the lion's den and not one lion touched him. Not one lion harmed him. Not one scratched him. Not one bit him. Not one messed with him because God sent his angel and shut all those lion's mouths. One angel shut all the lion's mouth because Daniel trusted in God. Daniel believed in his God. Well, what does that tell us today? We know Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what did Daniel hear? We know Daniel as a descendant of royalty, as the royal seed of King David, a part of nobility, would have had access to the law. We know he would have had access to some of the earlier prophets. We know he would have had, we see what letters he would have had of Jeremiah because he was alive during the time of Jeremiah. He would have known of the prophecies of Isaiah. So he would have had access to the scrolls and he would have heard the word of God. By this point, he would have had some of this word in Babylon and he had read it. We'll see later in this book that he studied the writings of Jeremiah, who was one of the contemporaries of his time. He read it again and again. He studied it and faith was in his heart. He knew the word. He knew the Torah. He knew the uh, books of Joshua and Judges and the ancient writings that he had access to. He knew that God was able to deliver. He knew that God was faithful and he had been serving him all his life. He had faith in his heart. And it says God delivered him because he trusted him. Let's keep reading. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who accused Daniel and they cast him into the den of lions. Them, their children, their wives and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones and pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples, nations, and language that dwell on all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion, my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Praise God. So what are our takeaways from tonight's study? We are reminded once again that God knows how to deal with world rulers and political figures. We are reminded that God gets involved with human affairs. We are reminded that God delivers his people. As Darius decreed, God delivers God rescues, God works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. If God could deliver Daniel, no, he can deliver you. So say it with me, say God delivers. Come on, say it out loud, put it in the chat, say God delivers. Come on, say it out loud with some faith and put it in the chat, say God delivers. Now say God rescues. Come on, say it out loud, put it in the chat, say God rescues. He works signs and wonders. Say God works signs and wonders. Come on, say it out loud, put it in the chat, say God works. Signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He can work signs and wonders in your life. Not just can he, he wants to do it. He desires to work signs and wonders in your life. He desires to rescue you and deliver you from whatever is trying to trap you. This is who he is and this is what he does for those who walk by faith and keep their faith and trust in him. 
what are some other takeaways? One of the things I said tonight, that you must be faithful. You must be consistent. Daniel was faithful for years and decades. You need to be faithful as well. No matter what the times may bring, no matter the political leadership, no matter how often it changed. Because one of the things you see from Daniel's life, from Nebuchadnezzar to Cyrus, there's many different kings and different people who ruled over Babylon. Yet Daniel remained faithful. That means no matter who's politically in charge, you must remain faithful. You must be a person of excellence. You must be a person who is faithful. No matter who rules the local government, the state government, the national government, who's in power in other places in the world, who leads your corporation or business, or what you, who you have to work with, you must be faithful and a person of excellence and must let your life give evidence that God is real, that he is alive, and he is able to deliver even today. A lot of our takeaways from tonight are echoes of what we saw in Daniel 1 through 4. Remember the book of Daniel is written in a way that paralyzed to emphasize its message. Through its design and the use of two languages, there are messages that are emphasized and repeated. All of this sets up for Daniel 7, the last chapter written in Aramaic. And we'll get into that next week. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you that you are the God who delivers. You are the God who rescues. You are the God who works signs and wonders. We thank you that you did it for Daniel, and we know you want to do it for us. So help us learn from what we've read tonight. Help us to apply it to our lives and be people of faith who expect you to get involved in our affairs. We know you're not some far off God who can't be entreated with our prayers, but we know that you move and respond to faith, that you move and respond to prayers that are based on the word of God, uttered and faith. Those who walk by faith, no matter what happens in this nation, happens in this world, will be all right because you are a faithful God who rescues, who delivers, who blesses, who guides, who works signs and wonders. And we give you all the glory and we expect signs and wonders in our life. We expect favor like Daniel. We expect to be rescued and delivered like Daniel and see your salvation, to see your goodness in the land of the living. As it tells us Psalm 91, with long life will you satisfy us and you will show us your salvation. Oh, we give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Father, I pray for those who are discouraged right now. I pray that they'll be encouraged to be encouraged to be faithful like Daniel, encouraged and emboldened to do what you've called them to do. Not back down, not shrink back, but they'll do what you tell them to do and stay on your timing. I pray that even tonight as they go to sleep that you'll speak to them in dreams and throughout this week you'll remind them of what you called them to do and how you have anointed them to make a difference in this day. In Jesus' name, amen and so be it. Praise God, praise God, praise God. One of the things we're doing in Faith and Morning this week and next week, we are talking about the anointing because God has anointed you. And as you've heard me say every day on Faith in the Morning, you are anointed. So before we close out tonight, say, I am anointed. Go ahead, say it out loud and put it in the chat. Say, I am anointed. Praise God. Amen. I believe today's message has encouraged you, it's strengthened you, it's helping you to live the lifestyle of faith. If you're ever in the metro Atlanta area, we'd love for you to worship with us in person. You can find information about our different locations at FCCGA.com. Also, we have so many different ways where you can get the word. You can download our Faith Plus app. You could also visit us on our social media pages, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube. We'd love for you to connect with us. We also have a podcast on Apple Podcasts as well 
follow us on Spotify. We have two. One is called the Faith Podcast, and then we have our daily devotional podcast, which is called Faith in the Morning. I look forward to seeing you on our many different social media platforms and in person at Faith Christian Center. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, something good is going to happen to you today, so expect miracles. God bless.